Blog Talk Radio. Nah. Well, here we are. It's the first Monday of the new year, which is known as 2021. Good morning, Brian Lunt. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing well. How are you? Hallelujah. Yeah, you know what? I am. It's a. It's interesting because there's. It, it, it's always funny. There's all this hoopla. Happy New Year! <laughs> and it's like people are saying, "Ah, oh, this year was sickening. 2020 was sickening. I want to get rid of it, throw it out. It's done. It's over. Forget everything." And I'm thinking, okay, so when you all open up your eyes tomorrow morning, does it all look different? <laughs> you know, do you look different when you look in the mirror? Do you wake up and feel different? You look out at your at your home and everything looks different, feels different. Or did you just step into a new day? Mm-hmm. Because envision that we had that kind of enthusiasm for every day, minus the forget part. I don't like any of that forgetting zone, right? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. So, all right, so let's tell our audience where they are. You've landed here on Blog Talk Radio at K Factor, where K, of course, stands for kindness, and the factors are all the things that lead you into it, and you've been led into this. So you got some groovy kindness coming at you here today that Brian Lunt and I will deliver, and I'm your host, Dr. Deb Carlin. This show is always sponsored by Partners in Excellence because we like to come together in this community and reach for excellence, you know, the best, like, you got to be darn toot and groovy to get in here. And what is this? This is now the influencers on the platform of Partners in Excellence Media. So I decided in December of 2020, I was going to close out the year becoming a media mogul. <laughs> and I invited some of my favorite people in here with me. So we have the mogul and then the mogulese. <laughs> yeah, that's a new one. Yeah, it is a new one. So... Well, we're in here, and on Mondays, Brian and I talk about the St. Louis Business Club, right? That's right. And on Thursdays, we talk about Brian Lunt and his courageous efforts to ride a lion. <laughs> we bring you all kinds of stories. So today, as we're talking about the Business Club, Brian, describe what it is that your vision is for 2021. What is the absolute ultimate that you want to see and feel and think in terms of this club that you put together that, you know, it's pretty darn toot and groovy. Yeah. I mean, to me, um, there's a lot of options in the marketplace when it comes to building community. Uh, I think St. Louis has a, has a decent amount of networking operations. There's places to get education and coaching. Um, I find, you know, positive things in each one of them. The St. Louis business club is kind of my version of taking everything that's positive out there and hopefully putting it all into one organization. Yeah. And so I think for me personally, I love community building. I love facilitating relationships and bringing people together. And um, I saw a little bit of a, an absence in the marketplace when it just came to kindness yeah. in the way that people make relationships. Oh and my God, so isn't that the truth? I wanted to offer a platform that was more uh, accessible that the commonality between people was that they were kind and they were good folks uh, and they were looking to come into something that really is the true sense of community, that all are welcome, all are held to a standard, all are held accountable to do, um, you know, good things and have business 
as a part of the equation. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of the flavor of what I've put out there. Um, I still enjoy all of the other organizations that are in St. Louis, but, you know, I have my version that's just a little bit different. Which is why you created uh, it. And that's why I created it. So what, what's different though, is you leave 2020 behind you Mm -hmm. and you walk into 2021. I mean, like I've, I spent, I I love this last two weeks of the year because it, it affords me, I afford myself reflective time, time to, especially this past year, not go out and, and party it up and, and do a lot of things that I love doing but but to to be at home, to be in my office, to be in my home, and just really going through a process of introspection about, okay, for the media platform, what is it that I want to accomplish across the year? And then I break it down into quarters. What is it that I want to do with, with publications and speaking? And, and you know, I, I outline all that. And what do I want to do with my body this year? What do I want to do with my mind and my heart this year? Um what I want to do with my relationships. And, and so I've mapped that out. So it's, and I know that you're a thinker. And so as you contemplate, do you have an mm-hmm. idea of the activity level that you want to see at the business club live and virtual and how many members you want to, you want to pull in there and what the quality of those members are? I do. I think, uh, you know, I think everybody puts out their ideal uh, version of yeah. what they want to materialize and what you're targeting when you're building an organization or a company. Um, the way that I designed this club was in, you know, as an evolution from what I did previous. I used to run strategy sessions or masterminds with myself and my partner, and we were the ones that were giving all the expertise. I feel like I'm not stupid, but I'm also not an expert in every arena. So I wanted to surround myself with people that knew what they were talking about in one of the 12 areas that we've kind of used as our nucleus. And so I went out in the marketplace and I found 12 people that I trust that I think have more to offer than I do in their skill set. And I wanted to build the club around them as what I believe is the ultimate mastermind so that people can come and be a part of our club and have access to that ultimate mastermind of experts and really ask, ask any question that they need in life and business. And so that's really what, what form it, formulates the nucleus of the club. And I get to be the one that facilitates it, which is what I enjoy doing the most. Now, beyond that, my goal is to create additional masterminds within each one of those arenas. And so, like I, like I said, we have 12 masters. In an ideal setting, each one of those masters would create their own mastermind, their own expertise offering, mm-hmm. and we could attract other um, experts within those spaces to provide kind of the mastery level of education and advice and consultation. And then our members get to benefit from that. So it's a good mixture of providers and consumers. And, uh, you know, we're not talking about an enormous organization. Uh, I often think of 12 as a biblical number, as a, you know, an ancient number. And so that's where I kind of fell on the, the 12 masters. And ideally, we'd have about 12 people on each one of their divisions. Oh, and okay. so a, a membership club of about 144, 150 people feels really good for me for the location that I've absorbed. Um, I think that can accommodate all of those people. And the goal really is to come to a place 
and practice life and business in a very um, safe space surrounded by people that care about you, but will hold you, hold your feet to the fire so that when you go out into the world, um, real life and real business isn't as difficult because you practice it very hard. So do you want those 144 people to come in and they're sort of matched to the, the, the lead master of their area and they go to their mastermind group once a month and they come into the Wednesday, maybe, group of just the masters, or that, that group on Wednesday is just the core masters, so it's like 12 people in there. Maybe every now and again, somebody comes as an invitee, mm-hmm. and, then, and then they figure out from there, okay, here's who I'd like to study with. And so they go into their mastermind group. Is that, do I have that right? Yeah, what, what ends up happening for me when I'm building an organization or a mastermind or a group or uh, a business, I look at this progression of interested people gathering together to discuss a mutual topic. That can evolve or graduate into a mastermind, which to me is a group of roughly a dozen people that enjoy discussing that topic or being a part of that topic on a regular basis. Once that has been established, you look at this agency style where these folks have come together and decided that we're good at cross-promoting one another, We can bundle our services together. There's a benefit of us all working in an agency relationship. And then that could ultimately uh, materialize in an organization or a business. And so that's the progression that I see and what I've kind of infused in how we do things. And ultimately, it's a I'm trying to design a corporate structure without being a corporation. Mm -hmm. I want to have small businesses and freelancers unite by merit as opposed to you know, being hired uh, or being told what to do. And it's a very difficult recipe because it takes a lot of proactive understanding on what you want out of your life and out of your business. The, the difficulty I've had is my allergy to telling people what to do because I don't like to tell, I don't like to be told what to do, but also um, there is, it's necessary to have leadership and have, um, you know, somebody steering the ship. And so that's been the most difficult thing to manage just on a personal basis. But uh, for the most part, I think it's still on the right trajectory to get there. So here's something to think about in, in the midst of, of uh, our dynamic and, um, and figuring out, you know, how, how does this really succeed? So, with the Missouri Venture Forum and with the with the St. Louis Business Club, they're both membership-based organizations. Mm-hmm. And so um, I don't get to tell anybody what to do, but I get to invite people to do things mm-hmm. and be suggestive and to try to be in a good enough leader that I don't have to ever say I'm the leader, but people want to follow me because I have something that they think, well, she's on to something. You know? What is she doing? I want to I want to follow. It's just for no other reason. I'm curious. And then I, I pitch ideas out there to see, well, you know, how is that? And it's really interesting because the accountability then just sort of happens. You know, people get excited about it. Um, and in terms of that, that, that cross-referencing of, of business and opportunities, who do we want to do business with? People we know, like, and trust. If I don't know you, I don't, there's nothing. If I don't like you, forget it. If I don't trust you, I'm running in the other direction. 
that might be a good way to start jogging this year. You know? yeah. But um, yeah, we, we really, it's interesting because in the leadership positions, we really have to figure out there's no, it's, it's so funny to me doing business consulting for a long time when people say, I don't understand what's wrong with the people in this organization. Why? Because I am the president, I am the CEO, and they are not doing what I want. I'm the leader. No, you're, you've got a title, but you're only a leader if people want to follow you. And if yeah. you don't have any followers, then you have to think about, oh, my gosh, what might I tweak, you know? And so I think really, especially when we're egalitarian and we don't want competition, but we want collaboration, sometimes people walk in. And they think, you know, they like size you up and go, huh, well, you're not the boss of me. <laughs> I don't have to do anything. Well, but don't you want to? You know, aren't you compelled to? And sometimes people are, are of durable character. And so they will step in to do, and as a matter of fact, do so much. And that those are the delightful people that we love, right? And then we want to clone them times 52. Uh, And then there's other people that we look at and we think, I don't understand. I've given you this marvelous opportunity. And you just, you're like, you're not even playing kick the can. So in your case, you're really, you're, you're out and about and you're, and you're, and you're talking to people about what the St. Louis Business Club is. We're talking about it in here. And we really need to educate people about what it is that they can come into, like, Right now, I think people are, you know, depending on where you're living, definitely there's a lot of differences. But the mindset in the country, you know, globally, but certainly in the United States, is is unfortunately, lockdown, don't go out, wear a mask, don't breathe, don't get close to anybody, no shaking hands, bump those elbows, don't hug, and you're a risk taker when you break all those rules, which... I'm proud to say I do. Um, and I wonder if, if it, in terms of the space there, it feels like you really want to fill it up and, and have the warmth of human beings in there and people want to be there and they're just, they're, they're nervous or tired or scared or waiting. Yeah. We're, I mean, we're in this just, odd era Um, and it's a little unsettling because it's not something that we've ever managed before you know I often say that I feel like I'm very good at managing risk because that's the that's the world I've lived in for my entire career and this is just a risk that is very difficult to manage because we don't know what we're working with there's so much misinformation you don't know who to trust um, you know, you've got people that you've known, liked, and trusted for a long time, and they have different opinions than you do. So it's unsettling. And for me, I'm building organizations and interactions that are in person, which is my preference. Mm-hmm. But I've also had to evolve into this in-person virtual hybrid. And you navigate just the philosophy of things to start with. And then when you add 12 masters and dozens more members and other relationships and strategic partners before you know it, the complexity of all of those relationships becomes more complex than, um, than you want it to be. 
And so we're just in a really odd time. And for me, I've, um, I've worked on my patience because you're, you have to. And I work on my um, durability because you have to. Yeah, right. And, you know, I, I'm hopeful. I think what, what this new year somewhat represented was a new beginning for many people. People were saying, okay, once we get a vaccine, once we have an election, once we have the new year flip over, once the holidays are over, whatever it, whatever it is. And I don't necessarily believe in arbitrary deadlines, um, but I'm ready to go. I, re- I was ready to go a year ago. Right. And unfortunately, these market forces, this fear out there, this lack of taking risk, which uh, is foreign to me, yeah. is making things frustrating so and that's just the reality of business that's the reality of our lives right now and so you manage it as best you can and and hopefully continue to evolve um here's one of the things that runs through my mind um as i'm uh as i'm as i'm listening to what you're saying is that risk management is great and and you, you have to have something to calculate Mm-hmm. <laughs> the calculations keep changing. The news changes, the boundaries change, the yep. the numbers change, and 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 they change not just over time, but they change from person to person, entity to entity. And then and then you know, as a as a researcher, I want to look behind what they're saying and say, okay, well, where'd you come up with that? And yep. and then you add the comedians into the whole thing who you know put their flavor in it, and then I start getting confused. Like I, when Stephen Colbert was on, if he still is, I don't know. Cause I don't watch that much TV like that anymore, but I used to get confused because he would have impersonators. He would imitate, you know, the, the president and the officials. And I would think that that kind of looks like president Clinton. Well, it turns out that it's, um, uh, Will Ferrell, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. And you hear in the messages and I'm thinking, well, that's interesting news. And I'm thinking, wait a second, this is a comedy channel. So you get a little thrown off. But right now, it feels like we we cannot ignite this year. Why? We have the Georgia elections are going to take place. And that's got, you know, like this big, heavy anvil hanging over it of boom or boom. No matter who, no matter which way it goes, there's going to be a boom. And then there's going to be fallout from that. And then what happens between then and for the next two weeks until the inauguration, if an inauguration occurs, you know, so we're all sitting here thinking, okay. And we go through the same list that you just listed. I'm waiting until this and this and this and this, and we keep waiting. And I think actually I want the American public to hear this one. I think you are darn tootin' good sports. Because everybody's sitting and waiting. Here's the problem. The level of frustration has mounted, and people yep. are out there getting really crabby with one another. Yeah. Well, like, wow. You know, when I look at entrepreneurs and small business people, first of all, I think they're being decimated right now, and I think that's by design, unfortunately. Um, when you look at somebody who has an entrepreneurial sense to them, they understand critical thinking, they believe on themselves first. They're okay with self-government and doing things on their own. Right. I am. I have a tendency to go out and do it myself. 
if, if, you know, when somebody gets in my way, just say, get out of my way and let me do it. You know, mm-hmm. um, you know, even getting my location approved by the local municipality, you know, you had to go through and get windows fixed and you got to get wiring up to date and all these different things. And I can get it done tomorrow if I'm the one that's responsible for doing it. Right. But again, it's arbitrary deadlines. What's going on in our culture right now is we're all being required to wait for something that, and, and not necessarily something that you believe that you need to be waiting for. Oh yeah. And there's different levels of fear and anxiety and there's just lots of really weird extenuating circumstances going on. And so what I believe, I think the entrepreneurial energy, the capitalistic freedom loving energy that America encompasses is being suppressed right now. And so that's what I'm feeling. Well, put. And it, and as positive and as warm as I want to be about the country that we live in and the, the capacity and potential for everything that we can do, um, it feels a little different these days. Um, it feels a little, um, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a freedom-loving American, a freedom-loving business owner, and I don't like being told what to do and not relying on my own critical thinking skills to make decisions. And so that's, that's kind of what I think I'm feeling right now is get out of my way. Government, get out of my way. Right. That was our rallying cry revolution that we began this whole thing with. Right. Uh, and let us ignite the American people and, and do what we need to do in order to make this country great and make our businesses great. So um, I think that's very well spoken. And, I, and I'm in complete alignment with that. When I hear people calling people sheeple, and, mm-hmm. and this put down, you know, Americans are stupid and no, time out. First of all, don't throw that negative energy and that negative verbiage out to the, to anyone, to yeah. yourself while you're home alone in your house, because then you have a disparaging perspe- perspective about your, your, your fellow community men. 100%. And, and, and don't put it across the broadcast. Don't put it, you know, just, you know, don't go negative. And I don't buy it. I think that the Americans are, we're the entrepreneurial nation. We're the ones who want to be out here working. And if you're not, if you're not doing your own dream in your own business, you're doing your dream in someone else's business. Right. You know, I believe that people want to work. I mean, people say, well, I've got so, too many people on welfare. You know what? We can change that. We can inspire people off of that and into another dream for them. It's a matter of, changing perspective and then everything shifts you know i the thing that the thing that really concerns me brian and it it concerns me for the missouri venture forum it concerns me for the st louis business club and what what i opened up this you know uh show talking about is your vision for the st louis business club my concern is that this is classic manipulative psychology tactics which I'm a doctor of that. I know it. And the American public has been put into a hypnotic trance. Mm-hmm. You take the message, it's short and brief, and you hammer it in, and you hammer it in. It's just like a jackhammer on the street. You can't yeah. ignore it after a while, but you almost don't even hear it. So here's here's what I know, and, and I think I think entrepreneurs, critical thinking people, utilize their their knowledge and expertise and what they've learned from their book smarts alongside what they learn through experience and street smarts and, and their interactions and experience, you know, 
over time. Right. Running the you know previous company that I had, which was all built around diversity and inclusion, not in this BS corporate level of we're going to put it on the website and make sure everybody thinks that we're into this. It was from the human-centered, this is what I believe in, diversity and inclusion model. I put people in rooms together and made them start talking. I made them start working on one another's problems together and businesses together. And the walls started to come down. The veils started to become unmasked. And you didn't care whether somebody was female or male or old or young or black or white. It did not matter because we were all coming together in kindness to help one another on a human level. And that's what the spirit of it all was. We didn't have the media telling us, you know, things. We didn't have older people or parents or whomever giving us indoctrinized messages. We just came together in a spirit of coming together, community. Mm -hmm. And I saw this play out for years, and it created the relationships that I think are as wholesome as, as can be made. What is happening now is I'm being denied the opportunity to amass people together in, in as safe of an environment as you want to be. It, I mean, all I was known for was creating a space where, where folks could be vulnerable and be safe. Um, that's what I want to um, develop for folks. but. People don't even want to come out of their homes. They don't want to walk into a safe office environment. They don't want to, walk, you know, it's just a very unsettling situation that if I believed it, and I think that's what happened when we look at the kindness and the willingness of Americans to help their fellow man, when this situation was presented to us, we all thought it was very alarming. What they initially talked about was very alarming and everybody took pause and said how can i help how can i serve you know ask what you can do for your country right and we all did that and now we're getting more and more information and this theme and this pattern continues to come up scare the bejesus out of everybody tell them that the world's going to end and then oh it's not that bad and then you find yourself in these extremely strange behaviors that don't make any sense based on what now we know um, and we're all still doing it. And so it's funny. I've, of, I've often feared um, the opportunity to figure out what you're made of. But I think given enough push, you are almost compelled to figure out what you're made of. And I think, I think the American people are being pushed. And I don't want, I don't want another revolution, but that's what it comes to. I think that's built in our spirit. I kind of think so too. <clears throat> As a matter of fact, you know, social media and texting and, and being able to email with people is really handy. You know, zooming is great. The phone is great, but the, the, the rapid fire of words across platforms is, is really interesting because we can, in a second, send each other news clips, videos. You know, you and I have done it. I mean, you know, we're doing yep. it with people to say, look. <laughs> and then I'm usually following it up with, what do you think? <laughs> what, what, what do you think we ought to do? And, and, and I, I'm, I'm sitting waiting with bated breath. And I'm, you know, there are things that are terrifying that are happening that are, um, Here's what I do. This is this is how. Here's one of my mind tricks. 
So I've been playing mind tricks all year. It's my profession, you know, play with your brain and take it to a groovy place. You know, something's horrible, turn it into something good. So, you know, what did 2021 mean? Well, for all of America, we learned that foaming soap is really good. You can wash your hands and it gets everywhere. Get them really nice and clean. Every time you go potty, (laughs) wash your hands. When you come in the house, wash your hands. Okay, great. And then beyond that, you learn your tolerances and your capacities and your abilities and, and how to kind of maneuver through what it is you need to do and how to gauge. Like, I know that uh, I love being around people, but when am I going to go to the grocery? One moment before it opens, yeah. you know, because I want my freedom as I'm walking through there and I don't want to be harangued about one thing or another. Mm-hmm. The other part of it is, is, um, Taking that news and finding a way to spin it. So I I believe in the way that we live in the contrast. You know, like if, if we're living in the contrast of where we really want to be, it's a perfect opportunity to operate from introspection in a process of discernment and take that walk of how do I get from where I'm, where I don't want to be, but I am right now into where I want to be, what are the steps that I need to take to be there? So I'm thinking, okay, this is really healthy. But there was something that I heard yesterday, who knows if it's true or not, but when Nancy Pelosi was reelected as Speaker of the House, there was a news flash that came out that waiting for her at her home was really vile. That, yeah, I think I saw that. you know, an animal had been slaughtered and with its blood, there had been a command written on our garage door. We want everything. Now yeah. we, now we will have everything. And, and I thought to myself, what's the upside of this in the midst of this being horrible? What's the upside of this? I think the upside of this is it's an opportunity for an awakening. I really hope that she goes home and says, uh oh. Wrong tribe, wrong side. I think that my fellow Americans, I maybe I could dial in a different way. Hey, welcome back is what I say. Mm-hmm. Come on back, you know? It's interesting to me because I'm challenged often why I choose to work with who I work with, yeah. which is which is more individuals, small business owners, people at the beginning of their business ventures or less complex. And I've, I've been having this conversation a lot lately because there's lots of opportunity to be a consultant or an employee of a larger institution to go in and use my education and experience towards those things. But I don't want to, I, I believe that small business is the backbone of this country and they need more help than just about anybody right now. When you look at what's going on with our hospitality industry, with the restaurants, oh my gosh. it's it's terrible what's going on. And, you know, being able to go to big box stores that are e- more easily tracked and manipulated <laughs> by large government, I often, often say that I have a, an aversion to large government, large religion, large education, large anything. I think when large groups of people get together, uh, it's more difficult to, to evolve and to, um, you know, progress. 
I think the, the great thing about our country is that it's a lot of individuals pulled together that, that believe in the same ideals and maybe the core values. But for the most part, we believe that freedom is at the, uh, is at the core of a lot of that. And I think small business owners still have a lot of freedom in how they want to live their lives. You know, I, I teased a couple of weeks ago that uh, entrepreneurs are the only people that will work 80 hours a week in order to not work 40 hours a week. I think at the core of that is the 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 opportunity to choose your own path, right. and and that's what I want to emphasize for people across the country is that if you want to choose your own path, be careful what you wish for on either side because yeah, right. what I see uh, is that when my, you know the person I prefer is in office, I like what they do, they have good control over my life. Yeah. When the person I don't like, I don't like what they do. They have bad control over their, over my life. And yeah. what I'm saying is I don't want either one of them to have control over my life. Not the I way want that to eliminate both it. options. Yeah, so right. you may agree politically or philosophically with one side or the other. But for me, I don't believe with either side because they both want more control over my life. And I think it is inherent on small business owners to say enough is enough. We know how to run our own lives. We don't need any more guidelines and regulations and people getting in the way. And I, I often point out that all government is, is a group of people and systems. That's all our government is. So if you want to hand your power over to the government, you're just handing your power over to a larger group of people. Yeah. Do you want more control over your life or do you want other people to have control over your life? And I think small business owners by and large, want more control over their situation, which is why they went into business for the, in the first place. And so I think it is inherent in business owners and small business owners particularly to band together uh, and not create a large organization, but to live by a spirit of freedom and choosing your own path and making sure that we incentivize both sides to do that for us and to stop taking our power away. Well, I, you know, uh, so let's take a look at the people who have said, you can't do this to me. Mm-hmm. They've gotten shut down, boarded up, arrested, hauled off to jail, and he had to hire attorneys to get them out to argue the point. They still keep coming out. They still keep getting harassed. It puts everybody in a bad position. You know, people have gotten gotten beaten up, you know, by people who want them to be obedient. You know, the police aren't beating them up. I mean, you know, there's people out there who want, they want, they want to be the bosses. And so, you know, they're thugs and they're going to come and they're going to beat you up for doing what you do. Or you show up to Washington, D.C., the capital of the United States of America to show up for the president. And afterwards you get beat up. I mm-hmm. mean, I I think about doing all the things that you're suggesting. And then I, I, I wanted, I just. I don't want to say I'm a coward because I'm not a coward, but I'm I'm very strategic about where it is I'm going to exercise my voice because I don't want to go out and be frightened. I do not want to go out and have anybody hurt me, beat me up, shove me, yell at me, or kill me. Yeah. And and it's no longer you know a lighthearted comedic statement that I make. And I think to myself, you know, I'm I'm um. In a couple of the private private groups, you know, I belong to online, people are in there. And, I'm, you know, just on public social media, people are saying, what are we going to do? You know, we can't stand for this anymore. So I 
went into a long pitch, you know, like at three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> saying, okay, you're asking what to do. You're saying we have to stand up and stop this. But nobody's doing really anything. We are watching, hoping somebody does something, the president, the government, the right part of the government, something. But guess what? For Georgia, are we all going to go to Georgia? Are we all going to go to Georgia and say, we'll watch, we'll stand guard, we'll fight against any corruption? Uh, No, but we'll wait for the news. The news that we hate, <laughs> the media outlets that are going to share information with us. Are we going to go to Washington, D.C. And, and express to Congress what we think, what we want? No. They, you know, they either won't let us in or we'll be outside. They'll tell us that we're pre- trespassing on our, our ground. And, yep. and they're in there representing us. And I'm thinking, but you haven't heard from me. Yep. How do you know what we want? You, I mean... Like, I didn't want the governors to say to everybody, you go home, you put on a mask, you stay indoors, you don't come out, but I'm going out. I didn't want that. So what is it that we do? Because I think that the worst thing in the world is when, as human beings in our personal life, we're over on the side wringing our hands saying, I don't want this, but I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. What do we tell people about what to do? I mean, what do we what do we tell people at the St. Louis Business Club about what to do? I tell people at Missouri Venture Forum, live your life. Our events will be virtual. I said it early in in March of 2020 for the rest of 2020 and through 2021 until I, you know, come out mm-hmm. with a different announcement. Because I want there to be enough time for reality to set in and for for real capability of people to come out and reasonably. But what do we tell people about the St. Louis Business Club? I mean, what are we willing to actualize? Philosophically, um, I think we need to educate and empower individuals. Um, I was talking with a couple of friends of mine, but one in particular, Jermaine Andre, who is um, who I've trained with? He's an MMA Hall of Famer, a very accomplished athlete. Uh, What's MMA? I'm sorry. What's MMA? Mixed martial arts. Okay. And so, uh, Jermaine and another friend of mine, Robert, and I were talking. And Robert had uh, chosen to be a pacifist. Had a very uh, difficult upbringing. Had some some violence in his past, and and chose to be a pacifist. And and that we were talking about other folks who had chosen to be pacifists. And Jermaine said, there's no such thing as a pacifist that doesn't know how to fight. Because if you don't know how to fight, you're not choosing to be a pacifist. So for Jermaine choosing to be a pacifist is a very conscious decision because he is a trained killer. He can, he can, he's one of the most lethal men on the planet if he chooses to be, but he chooses not to be. And this kind of harkens back to the philosophies behind the second amendment. I don't know of anybody personally that wants to murder someone. I don't know of anybody that wants to use physical or gun violence against someone. I don't know those people, but I do know people who want the option when you have overreach of other human beings, which again, our government is just over other human beings. And so when you look at this, capability to 
defend yourself or empower yourself to choose your own path, that's where I think the philosophies of the Second Amendment come. And that's where I think the Constitution gets involved with protecting individual rights. And so I think at the core, Americans need to be educated about what their Constitution means, what their individual rights are. And beyond that, we need to start talking to one another so that we know in this circumstance, our individual rights were trampled upon. And I believe there are a lot more people that believe in the Constitution and individual rights than there aren't. And at some point, the people who believe that need to stop complying with the people who don't believe that. And I don't know the exact tactics that we need, but for one, we can turn off the mainstream media and stop paying attention to them. And then you think, well, where are you going to get your news? Well, it's for me, it's pretty awful news anyway, so it doesn't really bother me. Um, we can stop telling rumors uh, and gossip through social media. Mm-hmm. We can stop, you know, allowing someone to dictate what we do in our personal or professional lives. Uh, there's non-compliance options that are more pacifist-based. When you look at Martin Luther King and Gandhi and the way that they employed and 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 did it very very well, um, I think those are options until you get to the point where you have to use what is at your disposal. And so if someone is going to come at me and my family and tell us what to do and how to live our lives, I may have to defend that. And the only way to defend that is to become empowered, meaning you have to learn how to fight and know that when the fight comes to you, you have a choice to make. Yeah. And so I think I, I have heard the, I don't know if it's a rumor or if it's true, but I have always heard that Japan decided not to invade America because we only had, you know, 1% in our military, but 90% owned guns. And they thought, well, if this American public decides, I don't think we're going to put up with you coming into our country and threatening us. We're all armed and we'll all take to the streets in a militia if we need to. I think that is at the core of fighting back. And I don't believe, I'm not a, you know, quote unquote gun nut by any means, but I do own a gun and I do believe in the second amendment philosophy to the core because I believe in individual rights. And so I think that is where we need to begin is how do we pull people together, understand that more people believe in freedom and real freedom, not my version of freedom or your version of freedom or the right's version of freedom or the left's version of freedom, but freedom. And to me, I would love to see a third party come to power because I think the Republicans and the Democrats are both terrible. Um, it's just one, depending on which side you're on, you uh, agree with at, at one time or the other. And so I think the worst thing going on right now is both parties are taking more and more rights away from individuals. And so my choice is to fight through small businesses, which I'm also being denied because I can't pool small businesses together. But ultimately, it's going to be inspiring individuals to fight back against a system that is not working for us, in my opinion. So I think that we could pull small businesses together. We just have to do it virtually. Yes. And, and, and so it's not in our ideal comfort zone. You know, the other part of this is um, I'm thinking while you're talking, and I'm thinking about the ways in which um, in school – when I went to grade school and high school, 
and college, you learned about the Bill of Rights. You mm-hmm. learned about the Declaration of Independence. You learned about the U.S. Constitution and U.S. history. And and it's and it's really sad that so many things have been banished. Mm-hmm. When I started hearing 20 years ago about books being banished, I thought to myself, you know, we no, we need to nip this in the bud. And and I went to my public libraries and said, I object to you banishing any books. Mm-hmm. You can't do that. Um, the no, in that in that same vein, that is why I'm a board member and an enormous supporter of Classical Academy de Lafayette here in St. Louis area. They teach source documents. They teach the United States Constitution, and they have a classically based educational system. It's what the founders studied. Yeah, it's fabulous. They, they, they teach people, regardless of where you come from, how to think, not what to think. Yeah, and it's yeah. not about indoctrination. It's about looking at things through your own lens and understanding it and being able to argue your own points, not just following along. And so that right now, you know, has uh, uh, 50 students inside of it. But unfortunately, the high school and the schools down the street have 5,000 mm-hmm. inside. And so what we need to do as, a, as freedom-loving Americans is look at the institutions and look at the places that are reinforcing what we believe in and making sure that we pour into those things and mm-hmm. support those things. Otherwise, you know, these other factions are continually using in many cases, our own money, our own dollars to support <laughs> their philosophies and their, you know. Well, you know, when you, of... when you go back to the school setting mm-hmm. and you talk about that, you talk about big business, big schools are the worst thing in the world. They're not good. No. You know, anonymity is our enemy. Yeah. And and everybody in the neighborhood needs to know one another. Everybody in the schoolhouse needs to know one another. Everybody in the town hall and city hall and village hall Everybody needs to know one another in a community and in all the pockets of the community. So when we when we're talking about bearing arms and being ready to do that, I'm I certainly uphold the Second Amendment. Um, I've always owned weaponry and learned how to use it and -hmm. learned how to use it really well so that I can be appropriate and get my mind into that place where I know, God help me, if it's my life or your life and you're coming after me and you intend absolute, the ultimate harm in my direction, I would like to preserve my life. However it is that I need to. And and that's getting back to what Jermaine's philosophy is. He gets his students to the point where they can walk down the street. And if somebody is bumping in the night, they go kind of wish they would come at me. Let's see what happens. And they've got such an empowering posture to how they are Mm -hmm. that there's no fear. And you can walk down the street and know I can defend myself if I need to, but I choose not to. So that's what I mean when it comes to educating yourself Mm -hmm. and empowering yourself with knowledge, with physical fitness. Those are the things that I subscribe to. And that's what the small business or the St. Louis business club is all about. It's about coming into a community educating yourself as best that you can so you know how to do better practice hard so that when you're confronted in reality it's not as difficult it's just going through the motions 
So I wonder if they're really thinking I could defend myself, but I choose not to. They're not being offensive, but they're ready to be defensive if they have to be. They're, yes. Yeah. Um, I also, I don't, you know, I think I know Jermaine. I think I've, I think I've been around him. I don't know that I actually agree that you have to know how to fight in order to be a pacifist. Does that, does that mean that Gandhi wasn't really a pacifist? Because I'm thinking, I don't think he knew how to fight at all. I think Jermaine's philosophy is that you're not, you're not, you don't have a true choice. You know that that I think he um, appreciates someone who can employ physical violence, not employing physical violence. Yeah. If you can't do that, then you're not necessarily making a choice. Yes, you're a pacifist in the in the in the definition that you don't employ violence. Yeah. But you don't really have that as a choice because you can't employ violence. And so he's more just making a distinction that if you have trained yourself to be a violent person and can be a violent person and choose to be a pacifist, then all of a sudden you are a true pacifist because you're making that choice. Mm. Well, I'll tell you what, if we have a revolution that needs to be fought here, I hope everybody changes their mind. Here's what I think is really frightening though. I'm not so sure that we would know who to fight against. That's the creepy part because you know, you and I are sitting here earlier in this episode talking about friends and people that we know mm-hmm. who you have to be really tiptoeing about. And if I have people who I love who are coming after me because I won't do the things that they think need to be done either for this virus or for our country, wow, wow, that's going to be horrifying because I don't know what my capacity is in that regard. I really don't. Well, I mean, the closest thing we can attribute to that is our own civil war. I mean, you had brothers fighting brothers on what they believed in. And so it had, we do have a past precedent in order to look at, um, you know, yeah, it can happen. I remember as a child saying to my mom and dad, I don't understand war because my parents had both been in world war two. And, and, and my grandfather had been in World War I, so I heard about all these different things. And I would say to them, in, so why don't they just put the leaders together and make them fight one another? Why does it have to involve all the people on the ground who didn't have really anything to say about the fight that they're having? If they that's how leaders fight each other. Yeah, right. You know, so it's. So it's it's an, there's an insanity here, and and I would always ask my parents, why aren't they just kind? Mm-hmm. Well, because they want control. Well, they have to they have to sit in the room with one another until they dialogue it out, and they realize that doesn't work. You know, the one person I don't claim to know everything about everything, but the one person I can say that I really admired was Golda Meir. When there was no peace in the Middle East, when she was running Israel. And she said, enough is enough. We're going to have peace talks, and we're going to have them at my house. Mm-hmm. And Because there was all this arguing. Come yeah. to peace talks. What, what's the shape of the table? Who can yeah. sit at the head of the table? You've got to be kidding me. If you can't exert your authority from any position around the table, then you're not a leader. So, yeah. so here's the thing. Do you know this story? She had the world leaders, these men, to her home, and she said, I'm making chicken soup. We're going to sit at my round kitchen table. Right. 
And, you know, they hit a breakthrough. I don't know a better way for people to come together than to do it like that. You know, when you've got this long stretch of space and you have to have 100 people there or 50 people there, you're not going to have a breakthrough and you're going to have people whispering in your ears. You know what? Cut it out and think about, and here's a unique thought for our government leaders. I think that you're supposed to be working for us, not on us and not against us. So, yeah, I mean, for me, I believe that our government has been centralized to Washington, D.C. It's why Washington, D.C. has more millionaire per capita and is probably one of the, you know, um, highest priced areas to move into. It's because it's been centralized for decision making and centralized for the money flow. I would like to see a much more decentralized situation where we're worrying about our neighbor next door to us, not our neighbor in New York or LA. I mean, it's not that I don't care about other people, but I don't really care more about New York and LA than I do St. Louis. I want to see what's going on in St. Louis much more than I do with New York or LA. Um, And I think the fact that all of this centralized power and decision-making has been made in one area. If, if you're, a congressman from Wisconsin, do you really care what's going on in New York or LA, especially when you're not even in Wisconsin? All you kind of care about is what's going on in DC. And I think it's a lot of self-dealing. It's a lot of figuring out how that group of people, a very elitist group of people, and once they get into the crowd, they want to stay in the crowd. They're very self-dealing in my opinion. And I think um, until we we all band together as a people and say we don't want centralized control coming out of D.C. We want our own control locally and personally. Then it's going to continue to consolidate. I have another idea. <laughs> oh, I know, I know. <laughs> Here's the solution. Um, so I want, I want to see, you know, all the states united as the United States of America. So we're really united. And in Washington, D.C., we do have Congress. But there's no aisle, like the Democrats and the and the Republicans don't sit on opposite sides, so there's no more aisle. They they tone the whole damn thing down a little bit, okay? And they don't they don't they're not allowed to wear suits and ties. They gotta just come in casual and really represent the people as opposed to their outfits. And they're only allowed to be there once a month and they cannot live there. Mm-hmm. So they, they're, you're not allowed to have a residence in Washington, D.C. No, you have to give the hotel industry the business and, so, and the restaurants the business. Okay, that's a game changer right away. And you have to go home and be at peace with the people who are your constituents. You have to know how they're all doing. You know, like you said, you know, they're, not, they're not at home, so how do they know? Okay, so there's that. So we get everybody home. But when they do come to Washington, D.C., their job is to say, okay, you know what? We're all going to do the election process one way. We're all going to have the governors being obedient to federal law. And from there, the states can figure it out and the cities can figure it out. So, excuse me, you're not allowed to let the citizens rip anything up. That's a federal law. You know, the feds will come in and make the correction if you don't. But when we go back home, the governors are in charge of governing the people in our state and making sure that they feel represented and they're heard and they know what's going on. And if there's rumblings, they're getting it 
because the mayors are filling them in and the people are filling them in. So we've got unification on what the vibe is and what's going on. And we, um, we use our technology so that people can stay in touch with each other, but there is no more Washington DC club. That's, I mean, that to me is the solution. I mean, when you have the Washington DC club, it's not, it is not Republicans versus Democrats. That is an absolute illusion. It is them versus us. Yeah. And they, if you look at whatever decisions are made, if you look at the way money flows, it's how can they get more money flowing through their hands, DC's hands, and not staying with the locality, whether it's you individually and your own tax dollars or effort that you put out there um, or your municipality or city or town or your state. And to me, that's the the biggest detriment to what's going on in our society right now. I'm very hopeful that it wakes people up. My fear is that it's going the other direction and people are not empowered individually. They are not educated individually. They do not feel that their government should be afraid of their power. And um, they're asking for more guidance. And maybe that is the sheep mentality. I don't think so, because I think that sheep, lamb, are delicious, and sheep give us great wool. But I do not believe that the American people are sheep. I think the American people are beautiful human beings who have been intimidated and and, and hypnotized, and it's sinful. And mm-hmm. we have to undo that with an awakening. Well, we've got one minute left, so in that minute, I'm going to say, Brian, we need to work the St. Louis Business Club so it's vibrant and healthy virtually and then live and and bring small business owners and entrepreneurs to your source and let them contribute. Mm-hmm. It's getting great. That's and, what we want. All right. On that note, this is a peace out from your host and co-host, Dr. Dup Carlin and Brian Lent. Brian, thank you for this morning. This was lovely. Thank you. A little animated. <laughs> all right. I'm going to end the episode. <laughs>